Hi, welcome to the Pulse at Pooms podcast. My name is Michael. Today we have Dr. Piekos with us today. Hi everyone, my name is Carolyn Piekos. Um, so I started uh, present right after high school. So I graduated and applied to the 6MD program. I graduated in 2017. I took a gap year off. I did an internship in Krakow at that time and then applied for residency. Now I'm um, a third year anesthesiology resident at University of Buffalo in New York. Can you tell us uh, why did you choose anesthesiology and what was the process like of choosing a specialty? I actually was pretty uncertain of what I wanted to do throughout medical school. I I really didn't know. I, I knew I liked the operating room, wasn't set out internal medicine, but I did have a uh, godfather who was an anesthesiologist. He's actually a cardiothoracic anesthesiologist in Michigan. I spoke to him briefly, and when I was looking for rotations at the time, I got a rotation for anesthesiology Cook County, and I really ended up liking it. It was a lot of fun. I I enjoy being in the operating room, number one. I think that's probably one of the most important things about anesthesia, that that's somewhere you have to enjoy being. You really have to be able to be good at multitasking, your constantly testing, and anticipating the worst events that could happen in the OR. I really enjoy the hands-on, putting in IVs and art lines and intubations. That's all very fun for me and I'm uh, very interactive. I also did apply for neurology at the time. I'm very grateful that everything worked out for anesthesia. But anesthesia is, if you really enjoy pharmacology and physiology and pathophysiology, I think it's a good choice. And if you like a little bit of maternal medicine, a little bit of surgery, then it's an excellent choice. If you like to learn new things, anesthesiology is constantly engaged and challenged intellectually. And you really have to guide a person through one of the most stressful and frightening experiences, such as surgery. So if you're if you can make like good report in a short amount of time, it's also a good fit for you. I think a common question a lot of students have about anesthesiology is the residency structure. They, uh, when they're Googling the programs, they see terms such as a categorical position versus advanced position. Can you just elaborate a little bit on how the residency is structured? So I think most anesthesia programs are now going into categorical. So just four years of anesthesiology. Previously, I know there are programs that you can apply for. First, you apply for a preliminary year. So you do one year of either internal medicine or surgery or both. And then you reapply for a three-year anesthesia program. But I know a lot of programs are turning towards having that four years. So you just apply the one time and you get in and you continue on. I personally wanted to do it that way. It seems extremely stressful to reapply to residency again. It's not guaranteed. You, Yeah, you're considered categorical if you get the four-year position. But again, if uh, as a backup, you can always apply for the preliminary position. So you could do internal medicine or surgery or, again, both. I see. What are the fellowship opportunities for anesthesiology? So the main fellowships are pain management, pediatric, cardiothoracic. Uh, you could do regional. So that includes acute pain management. So you do 
nerve block. I think there's also OB-GYN and neurology that's offered. I don't believe those are accredited. But the main ones, I think the most competitive ones are pain, cardiothoracic, and pediatric. All our fellowships are one year, which is extremely nice. And I personally am applying for a pediatric fellowship right now. So I'm going through the process. I'm receiving interviews, but I haven't started interviewing yet. I submitted in December of my third year. And then I won't find out till October of my last year. So following fellowships, um, what are the career options? Is it mostly inpatient in the hospital or there's a mixture of outpatient opportunities as well? So, I mean, if you're doing anesthesia, you're most likely not the biggest fan of clinic. I mean, the only really opportunity that you have for clinic in anesthesia is if you do pain management, but you help a lot of patients have chronic pain or you're involved in a preoperative clinic, depending on the hospital. Some hospitals do offer that. So that that's really the only clinic experience you have. But I mean, in usual case, you, you're in the hospital setting, operating room, pretty much shift work. Uh, you can, uh, right after fellowship, you can go into full time, which, you know, you pick up call 24 hour shift. It depends on the amount of times in the month, but you can also pick up part time. So that usually is four days a week uh, with no call. So it really depends on the type of lifestyle you want to live. If you want to work in an academic setting or if you don't, uh, you can also choose to work in a surgical center, which I maybe plan on doing down the line. In the beginning, after fellowship, I'd like to work in an academic center. have to rotate through other specialties during your residency. Yes. So my first year, I personally did internal medicine for the year. I did interview at programs that offered surgery for six months and internal medicine for six months. I wasn't the biggest fan of that. I I did not want to do surgery personally, but I, I'm sure that's a good experience. So yeah, we do. My first year involved six months of inpatient. So two of those months were ICU and the other four months were medicine floors. And then at six months, like six months of different things. So one month of emergency medicine, one month of cardiology, inpatient and outpatient, pulmonology, another month was inpatient, also outpatient. I had intro to pain management, intro to anesthesia, and then the other, the last month was vacation. What is a typical day like for you? Typical day. So currently I'm on my vascular rotation, AV fissures, bypasses, you know, fixing carotids, things like that is what I'm doing on the daily for this module. So I typically like to wake up around 6 to be at the hospital by 6.15, 6.30, depending on the case, if it involves more of a setup. Uh, once I get in, changing my scrubs, we usually get the schedule the day, the night before, so I know at least what cases I'm doing. I can look at the patients if I want to. I set up my room, so that involves checking the anesthesia machine. If it's been, we have to check it every 24 hours, make sure my, all my airway things are prepared, meaning you know, endotracheal tube or an LMA, depending on the procedure I'm doing, my blades, and then having all my drugs, uh, drips if I need them ready, or my arterial line set up, my extra IVs. So I have to have all that ready. And typically, my hospital person uh, starts at 7.30, first case start. Uh, some hospitals start, start at 7.15, but I like to see my patient uh, half an hour before this, uh, the case starts. So we do a history. We you know, cardiac and and pulmonary, pulmonary, the big ones. And then we do a physical exam. Most important, checking for airway. If you think you're going to have any issues with that, should you have backup, like a glide scope and fiber optic? Do you need to do it awake or not? You know, you have to put an IV in before going back. So that's something that the resident has to do. Uh, so, you know, some people are have veins sticking out, some don't. So 
Do you need to use an ultrasound for that? Sometimes you need to put in art line uh, pre-induction before they fall asleep. So it also takes up time, but you definitely don't want to be the cause of delays. So as an anesthesia resident, it's really important to be punctual and um, on time because if, you, if you're the reason for delay, that's, that's not good. <laughs> so that's typically my day. So 7.30 starts and then... Um, you know, it really depends. We have, we don't have a time where we really leave. We have a release order and sort of how the day goes. If there's add-on cases, if there's not, you get to leave early. If you're pre-call, I take 24-hour shifts in my hospital. I'm just after 24-hour shift. So the day before your call, you leave early. So it really depends. You leave, sometimes you get, you get really lucky and I, I've left at 1 p.m. and other times, you know, you leave at like 8.30 so it really depends. There's not really a set time. It's not like a different, especially, for example, internal medicine, where you have a sign out time and the next person comes for the next shift. So for us, it's you really hard to plan, hard to plan. But you, you generally know a good idea of when you can leave, depending on the release order that we have. Can you tell us a little bit about your call schedule and what is that like? As a PGY1, you're intern. And then as a CA1, it's clinical anesthesia one year. You're considered a junior. And then a C2 and C3 considered as a senior then. So I'm a C2 at this time. So there's less residents as a C1. My program has uh, 12 per year. So there's only 12 C1s and then 24 C2 and C3s. So as a C1, you take a lot more call, uh, almost double the call um, as a senior. And you're always paired with a junior or senior at the main site. I also rotate at a couple hospitals. So some are home call and some you have to be, but where I'm rotating right now is kind of our home base. It's called Buffalo General. Take call uh, probably like four times a month now, sometimes less, sometimes more. So what call looks like is same same start to my day. I finish my room and then I start relieving people to go home. And then any cases that come by uh, emergently, you know, we, me and my, my junior and I, we have to take over. So for example, last night we had a craniotomy. We had a bypass that had to go. And then once everything's done, uh, then we go to airways throughout the night. So sometimes it's a hit or miss. You know, anesthesia is extremely unpredictable. Sometimes you can have a wonderful call and wake up refreshed and, you know, you have the whole day off. But other nights, it's pretty horrible. And uh, we also rotate at the trauma center here, so which is very fun as a trainee. You see a ton of gunshot wounds and just stories that are pretty unbelievable. <laughs> And the, that those calls are horrible. You're, you know, you're generally off for 24 hours. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, definitely a good learning experience. The airways can be extremely stressful depending on the situation. And, you know, you're kind of on there on your own. So never know when airway could be hemorrhaging or things like that. So definitely it, it can ha it, it can go both ways. And that's what the beauty about anesthesia. It's pretty unpredictable mm -hmm. to be ready kind of for anything. When you talk about airway, do you mean you're assigned to intubate any patient that needs intubation? Yeah, so we are in charge of, yeah, all of the hospital, any airway that needs to be done. Uh, they call the anesthesia airway phone and mm -hmm. um, we go up. Uh, so that, that typically happens, um, you know, so neuro ICU, surgical ICU, medical ICU, and any floor intubation that needs to be done. The ED intubates on their own, but if they need backup, then they call us as well. I see. How much autonomy do you have and how often do you work with the attendings? So an attending has to be in room for induction and theoretically extubation. It depends on the attending, but most of the time you're on your own running the show. I think anesthesia definitely has less 
supervision than other surgery residents are with their attendings all the time during the procedures. We are generally on our own. Um, so it's a very quick learning experience, especially in the beginning, you're left alone and you're not really sure <laughs> what you're exactly doing, but you're definitely on your own a lot. And you can definitely call if you need be. You know, I never mm -hmm. feel the need that, or I never feel that I can't get a hold of my attending, uh, but definitely you're in there alone. And is the attending usually on site as well, or they'll be at home yes. taking the calls? Okay. Yes. So, I mean, it depends on the different uh, hospitals, but for example, the trauma center that I rotate at, attending is always in-house, but the hospital that I'm at currently, Buffalo General, the, the attendings go home. So, you know, as a senior, you're in there uh, managing. The, if anything were to happen, you're the most senior person for, for the airways, which mm -hmm. is a little frightening to think mm -hmm. about. But if you need help, there's a surgery surgery on call. And if they need a surgical airway, then then you have that at least. I see. Do you have any other responsibilities like teaching or administration? No, that's administration work is probably more if you're voted for chief. So that's always in your last year. We don't have to do an additional year to be chief, but you're voted uh, as a senior on your last year of CA3. Uh, we do have medical students that come by um, and we do have to present a certain amount of times a year. So that definitely, you know, so you have to prepare for that. Uh, when the students come by, it depends. A lot of students have anesthesia in their last final year after they've applied for residency. So you either get the students that are just here to pass the time by, or you have students that actually want to do anesthesia. So those are the ones that usually stay longer. So, I mean, I always try to show, show them at least something, even if they're not applying generally for anesthesia. Mm -hmm. um, and your program is a university program. So is research a big part of the residency? So actually, my program isn't extremely strong in research. You can definitely do some research if you want. I've done posters my intern year, and then I'm working on a QI project for my for the pediatric program. Uh, it's a NIC neonatal ICU and anesthesia handoff tool, uh, basically a piece of paper that everything we need to know, because sometimes things get lost when you're uh, transporting a pediatric patient into the ICU. So I uh, want to make sure there's a full line of communication there. but we are at graduation. We do have to have a QI project. So that's what I'm working on. And there's residents working on research, but it's not so much mandatory. I, I don't think anesthesia is big on research, but that's my program. Uh, but you can definitely get involved in posters and things like that. I, when I was doing my ICU rotation, I'm working also on a project with a couple of residents. So you can definitely get involved. Uh, if you see something interesting, if you want to write it up, see if it, it's happened before, then we're working on a project right now called Ortner Syndrome. You'll see people being involved. And if you want to get involved, then you can definitely find uh, the appropriate people to talk to. I see. Now, I want to ask a little bit about your experience applying to residency. So mm -hmm. what was it like to apply as an ING? When I graduated post nine, you know, I was, I felt like I was still young, so I wanted to take that one year off to, uh, my brother was a, a medical student in Krakow and we have a family house there. So I moved to Krakow and started my intern year there in one of the hospitals, which was very fun. If you have the opportunity, I would highly recommend, although you have to take a Polish uh, medical exam now. I mean, I applied, so I graduated in June, applied in September. Uh, no one really asked me about taking a year off at all, actually. I think maybe one person did. And, you know, I explained that 
that this is what I wanted to do. I, I mean, I had all my exams done on time, so that wasn't the issue. I just, it was just a personal choice. Um, I thought, you know, I still have time to apply. And I went through the process just like anyone else. I mean, I know now with step one being pass fail, it's a little hard to stand out in the crowd or, or will be, I guess. Um, but you know, you, scores are extremely important, especially in anesthesia and, uh, you know, and all the other specialties too. But I think having good letters or recommendation is extremely important as well, because that's the only other way you can stand out. Try to be involved as much as possible. And I did some research in Pulse 9 in the cardio, uh, cardiology unit with a couple of my co uh, classmates. But I mean, you know, I applied I mean, I, I just went through the process and, you know, I got a fair amount of interviews and I mean, I, I don't know how people travel and went to school. It seems very hard. You know, it takes up a lot of your time. But now that everything's through Zoom, it's a lot easier, I'm sure, without the traveling. You know, everything just worked out for me. So it worked out for a lot of my uh, friends as well. So it's definitely doable to get into residence following Pulse 9. So you mentioned that you work with uh, medical students occasionally. So as a resident, what qualities do you look for when you're evaluating medical students? So anesthesia is something that people have for two weeks at the end of at the end of their fourth year here. Some we do have students that come by that do uh, sub internships, so they're considered a little something below an intern. Residents don't have that much of a say when evaluating medical students, but I did have one student that came by and, you know, he was phenomenal. And that's the only person I've ever reached out to the program to, to for, for him to get an interview in our, um, at our university, like at our program. But, you know, generally come before the residents, you know, help them set up the room, ask how you can help come with questions. Like, don't just, don't just show up. Uh, just come up with like any type of question. A resident's more than happy to teach you some basic things. They they don't expect you to be able to intubate. They don't expect you to do IVs. That's that's all things that could be learned. But you know, just showing up uh, before and helping and and I mean, we're, it's not like a specialty. Like for example, internal medicine or pediatrics. You know, you help write notes. We don't really write notes and we don't round. So just helping, like seeing patients in between helps like us as as um, anesthesia residents or putting in an ID if you can and you know we're everyone's more than happy to teach but no one expects you to show up knowing how to do those things uh, but just showing up with questions you know it's fine just so you seem a little interested um, that you've actually like read some basic anesthesia like pharmacology or physiology so what advice would you give students who are applying to residency this year that might be doing their elective this summer? You mentioned that a lot of time the attendings might not be in the operating room. So how do students connections with the attending physicians? I mean, I would recommend when you go to a new elective, find out who is or who are the bigger names as an attendings who are involved with medical students. Just find out who, who those people are. Uh, everyone in each program has uh, attendings that are more involved and a part of the educational committee. So find out who those people are and then ask them if you could be with them during the day. Some attendings run rooms on their own. So it's not like one day they'll be with residents, the other day they'll be in a room on their own. So see if you can help them and ask them questions and see like, make sure you seem like you're involved. Because again, you know, no one expects you to know how to do clinical things. But if you come and just asking questions and seem interested, then you know, you're bound to get a good letter of recommendation. For the students who are not applying this year, they might be um, two or three years away. What can they do during their times still at Poznan to make them more competitive? I mean, definitely scores are very important. So 
try your best on those. I, I mean, I'm not sure what's happening with your NDMEs at the time. If they're not happening, maybe see if there's any way you can still take them. I know my brother uh, was in Krakow and they didn't offer them. So he went on his own and formed a group of people that wanted to take them and they did take them. So, you know, see if that's possible to, to do and try to do well, well on those exams. I mean, I, even at interviews, people would look at my scores and, at, you know, and mention like, oh, this was your highest uh, grade. So I, I think people definitely look at your, like how you did in medical school. And then obviously step one, step two, I know CS was canceled. So if CK is the only exam you have, try to do really well. And I can just tell you it's much easier than step one. And you can probably do pretty well um, on that exam. If possible, if you take a year off, maybe consider taking step three during that time. I didn't, but maybe that will make you a better candidate. See if you can get involved in terms of research. I asked around and with people in the four-year program and found out that one one attending, like a cardiology attending, was doing uh, research. His name was Dr. Guji. I know he's willing to do research, but if that's something you want to do, then, you know, definitely get involved early. It took me, it took us a really long time to publish anything. And yeah, I tried applying for electives as soon as possible or figuring out which hospitals will take international graduates and apply because it's first come first serve type of deal. So mm-hmm. the sooner you get on that, the, the better. Well, it's not really a big thing in internal medicine, but for some other specialty, they want to see students are applying because they want to get into this specialty, not just, you know, as a backup or as an alternative choice. Was that an issue when you're applying? I applied for neurology and anesthesia. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom is a neurologist. So, you know, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll do that. I didn't tell anyone that's what I was doing when I was interviewing. I had rotations in both. No one really Mm -hmm. asked why. Um, Definitely don't let people know you're applying to two specialties is Mm -hmm. my -hmm. advice. Uh, I think people want to know that you're 100% committed to the residency you're applying to. Yeah. So did you have to write a separate personal statement? Yes. Um, Okay. Yes. What about your CV? So my CV, I structured it. Because I originally thought maybe I wanted to do uh, critical care. And I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I forgot to mention that earlier in anesthesia, you can also apply for critical care. So that's one year, mm-hmm. one year. So I, uh, at that time, uh, I thought maybe I wanted to do critical care uh, following like neurology or anesthesia. So I did rotations in the ICU. So my my statement was it, like my, my CV was geared that way. Mm-hmm. I decided I don't want to do that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it totally changed my mind. Uh, so that's how I, you know, your plan for fellowship and your career plan. Is that a topic that come up a lot during interviews? Or? Yeah, they definitely wanted to ask uh, if I wanted to do a fellowship. So if you have something in mind, share that. They even asked me if I was interested in anything so I can interview with people doing like after that fellowship. Oh, I see. And they're even doing that for my pediatric fellowship uh, because after pediatrics you can subspecialize in pain management or cardiothoracic mm-hmm. and i think uh you can do like research-based medicine but um those are the big ones cardiothoracic mm-hmm. and pain so uh, so and now they're even asking me do i want it am i interested in that to do an additional year and they could uh set me up with people for my interview to talk about that did you feel like you were well prepared going into residency in terms of the clinicals no but you pick up, I mean, like the difference between Paul's nine and an American school is definitely is definitely different. Like students here have a way more clinical experience. You know, it, even when I was doing my clinical electives in the U.S., uh, medical students were given 
so much more responsibility over patients' care and treatment plans. Yeah. And in Poland, you don't really have much autonomy. No, like, not really. I mean, I know you follow and, you know, so I think a lot of things get lost in translation. But the beginnings were definitely different and, and challenging. But, you know, everyone gets to the same level here. You understand, you know, what they're looking for, how to conduct a patient interview, how to how to present patients and all that. Pick up very quick. Yeah. I mean, you definitely learn. Like, it's shocking at first. And you're like, what am I doing? This is way too yeah. much. And you're picking up, like, almost 10 patients at once. And you get fused with who's what and where. You have to be extremely organized. Like, I would form my notes in a way where I would say, like, quickly the patient and what they're here for and you know, labs and imaging and plan. And, you know, I would keep that all organized on one piece of paper, make it very small and just be super organized. And a good intern is someone that follows up on everything that was talked about during rounds. Like you don't have to be the smartest just to make sure that you're getting everything done that was talked about during rounds. And you do a little, have like a to-do list and make sure like everything got checked off before I left. Because that's really the most, I think for an intern, like, you know, you, you don't have to make all the decisions and you don't have to, you know, that's what you have a senior for at that. And that senior should be running, uh, running primarily the show if you have a good senior. Yeah. But as an intern, if you want to be a good intern, it's just doing everything that was said during rounds and all that busy work that maybe isn't so fun. But, you know, you learn as you're doing that and, you know, that people understand what you're doing when they read your notes. Definitely doable. Thank you so much. It's nice yeah. to have some assurance. Do you have any last word of advice for the students? Thoroughly enjoyed Pulse Nine so much. I made the my best friends that I'll have forever. Uh, it was a phenomenal experience. I miss it every day. I uh, can't wait to be back in Poland and you know just keep chugging along. It really is all worth it. And I got to see Europe and be with family that I probably wouldn't have been with if I was in America. And, you know, a six-year program out of high school. And I'm extremely grateful for the path I've chosen. You know, whoever is interested in medicine and wants to have something a little different, then I highly recommend Pulsing. So that concluded my conversation with Dr. Piekos. Please follow Pooms Amsa on social media for our new episode. If you're interested in being part of the podcast team, Amsa is actually looking for our new executive board for the next school year. So keep an eye on our social media for more information soon. Thank you, and I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.